Hi, thank you for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit channel. My name is Michelle. What turns a little into a lot? Or, better, better put, what happens with seed to make it a harvest? Doesn't matter whether the seed is good or bad. What happens with seed to make it a harvest? That's what I'm going to be talking about today. As you know, this um, series that I'm in right now, I'm going to call it a series for lack of a better term, is about pivoting those of us that confess the name of Jesus Christ that claim to be believers. It's time to pivot out of a season of cursing into a season of blessing. Before I get started, I will say that I will be making references to scriptures, but I will not necessarily be giving you the actual scripture um, because we have enough scriptures. So if anything that I'm saying, if you need to look it up, please look it up. If you have questions about what I'm saying, I need you to message me. You can put, you know, if comments are open, you can leave a comment. As I always say, please don't, I'm not dealing with any foolishness, so I will block you. But I am more than willing to help clarify anything that I say on any of my segments. And you can also feel free to share. Make sure you subscribe and do all of those good things. So, my goal really is to Based on what the Lord is showing me, how Holy Spirit is leading me, things he's taught me, things he's teaching me, to share with you so that we can all be in alignment to the best of our ability individually. Because there is no whole (laughs) without all of us doing our part. There is no whole without all of us doing our part. So even when we talk about the body, he's told us in his word, the body has many members. And he's not talking about members like membership, the way that we talk about it. He's talking about it has many parts. Foot, eye, toe, hand. He is the head. So, We have to understand those things. We all have to do our part. The group dynamic sometimes dictates. We have have what I call groupthink. That may not be the best term for it, but it's the only only one I can come come up with right now. Where everybody's all for the vision. But everybody also takes it for granted that somebody else is going to do the work. Jesus doesn't function like that. Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. I, I, so, so we need to come out of, pivot out of the season of cursing into a season of blessing. Because the moment you excuse yourself from the equation, then he will also excuse you from the equation. It doesn't mean that he didn't die for you. It just means that in order to participate, you have to be intentional with him about that, what that looks like. So I'll give you an example. If you are part of a church, 
I'll use that. There's other, I'm going to use another one too. If you are part of a church and you have committed yourself to that church, then you need to serve in some way. Period. Don't take it for granted that everybody else is going to get the work done. And I'm not saying this, hear me. I'm not saying this to tell you you have to do everything. I'm not even saying it as a rebuke. I'm saying it as a principle upon which Christ based your salvation. It's just like, it's, it's not just like, it's, you're in a relationship with another group of people. Don't let the number of people, like we like, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, what do we assemble for? Who makes the assembling happen? So if you're going to be committed to the assembly, be committed to the work of the assembly. If that work is good work. That's just one area. If you are on a sports team, now everybody wants to be first string, everybody wants to play, but there also needs to be, the the, the bench needs to be deep. Are you ready to go in if if, if somebody gets hurt or somebody is no longer able to play? Are you ready or are you just mad because you weren't on the first string? Group think. It's a team dynamic. Even though I want to be in the game, I want to be in the game on my terms. Pivoting out of a season of cursing into a season of blessing means that I'm going to be ready no matter what. I am going to commit myself to my part no matter what. What does it take to turn a little into a lot? Seed into harvest. When it comes to Christ, he died for all. He died for all and each at the same time. There is no all without each. There is no whole without the parts thereof. That means that if you as a part or member excuse yourself, then you're no longer a member. If I walk off the team, I'm no longer a member of the team. So why is it in what we call, what we call the kingdom of God, that is an acceptable behavior that we think God excuses just because there may not be an immediate repercussion? We walk away, but we still think we retain all of our benefits, rights, and privileges. Or... We go in presumptuously. So it's two two things. I walk away acting like everybody else has got it together, or I presumptuously do things saying it's God when I haven't even sat down long enough to know what he's doing. And we still think God is going to bless that. He's responsible to bless that. God honors himself. We get the benefit of that when we intentionally commit to that relationship. 
I can be in the same building with you. I can be sitting physically next to you, and we be in two different spiritual positions based on our individual relationships with the Lord. So please, let's not talk about unity and togetherness and the fact that coming together is all that's necessary. He said coming together is supposed to be the representation or the expression of the unity that already exists, meaning everyone privately is doing what they need to do in their individual relationship so that when you come together, I can use all of you. All of you individually, all of you, the entirety of you, and then the entire collective. How does a little become a lot? How does seed become harvest? At any given point in time, we are in both seed, seed, a season of seeding. We could be in a season of time or we, and or we can be in a season of harvest. At any given moment, that's where we are. It depends on what area of our life you're talking about. We always have seed, and we always have a harvest. The question is, what is it, and how did it get that way? So if I'm in a place where I'm reaping a harvest that I know is of the Lord, that means that somewhere along the way, I had to be sowing those seeds in faith. I had to be humble. I had to be repentant. I had to be all of those things we don't like to be, forgiving. I had to put down the flesh when, I wanted it to, when it wanted to rise up. I had to be a living sacrifice by his definition, not mine. I had to be a living epistle without knowing that. I had to be obedient, which means that I had to love Christ in ways that I didn't know. I had no capacity to. The walk of faith is not about what we do for the Lord. The walk of faith is about what we do in order to participate and co-labor with him, thereby gaining the benefit of the promise. What does it take to make a little a lot? He says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and we look at it and go, size of mustard seed? And, you know, you know how we are. We like to read. When we read it, oh, yes, amen, uh-huh. When it do it, it's a different story. Because we cannot see the growth of that seed. We don't, it's not a microwave mustard seed. It's God's timing mustard seed where we're being tested, tried by fire. Where we're in and out of circumstances and situations that many of us will say, this is my harvest. Well, yeah, it's your harvest, but it's not necessarily the only harvest. And it's not a harvest that you can't change. If you have 10 cents and somebody else has $10 and you want their $10, that's called coveting, envying. You've cursed your own resource. 
Because he he may have been planning to give you, desiring to give you more than $10 if you would have just obeyed instead of trying to take the shortcut and just trying to figure out what somebody else did to get their 10. He gave them 10 on purpose. (laughs) He gave them 10 on purpose because he knew that you were going to sit there asking, instead of asking him, how do I bless my 10 cents? You're trying to look at them and say, well, how did you get your $10? Meaning you put your trust in them and what they had rather than in what the Lord gave you for his multiplication, for his purposes. I will provide, he said, all your needs according to my riches in glory. Now, we can quote that the process of living it out is entirely different. Easier said than done, as they say. Trust me. Because the word of God gives life to that which is dead. Pivot out of cursing into blessing. We are supposed to be, as I have said in another segment, the the blessors. We are blessed to be a blessing. So how are we blessed if we are constantly cursing not only our own lives but other people's lives? In fact, we're supposed to The manifestation of our love for God is how we think about other people. Then treat them. How we think about other people, then treat them. So if I love God, I'm going to walk in love towards you. Doesn't mean I have to agree with you 100%, but it does mean that when there's a different disagreement, we're not acting like fools. That's what it means. That I'm going to say, you know what? Understood. I hear you. I don't necessarily see it that way, but that's okay. I don't need to be right. You don't need to be right, even though we think we we have something to prove. We've all been there. This is no. This is not our first rodeo. So I don't know why we keep acting like it is. That's not the point. The point is that God is the standard. So we should all be seeking to fall on our faces before him, crying out for mercy, repenting of our evil ways, then pray. Then he will hear. Then he will heal. What does it take? So in some areas of our lives, we have seed. We have good seed. And we need to be able to readily identify that. You need to take an inventory, spirit, soul, and body of your life. And you need to say, where do I have good seed? And where do I have bad seed? Where do I have good harvest? And where do I have harvest? I don't know where it came from, but I'm not too crazy about this. Understand also that every seed that you have and every harvest that you have doesn't necessarily come from you. There is such a thing as spiritual genealogy, meaning there is a, we talk about generational curses. Understand what that means. That means that bad seed was planted in generations before you that nobody has seen fit to plead the blood of Jesus over and repent from. So it's gotten down to you. The question is, what will you do with it? Oh, we're going to break that generation. Okay, break it. Break it without repenting. Without repenting. How do you do it? You don't even know. We can't even do that. It's illegal. In the spirit. 
but we can be obedient to the Lord because our deliverance is hardwired into our obedience. What does it take to turn a little into a lot, to turn the bad into the good, to turn seed into harvest? So you might have a little good seed and a, and a big harvest of not so good. All you have to do is bless the good. Bless the good. And be obedient. Humble yourself. Repent. Turn as quick as you can from your wicked ways. This is what we do. Oh, they have wicked ways. And I'm not going to go into detail because everybody knows what wicked ways are. And if you don't know what wicked ways are, go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. They have wicked ways. Two things that... God is very clear about, at, at a minimum, besides the, the, the great commandment. If my people, my people, those claiming to be his, he says this isn't about, I said two things, one, this particular thing. He's, he's, he's very clear on the great commandment which is actually two in one, one in two. Went from 10 to two, really more than that. 10, well, I just, for the sake of the conversation, we'll say 10, because we call it the 10 commandments. There's really, those are 10 categories, totaling 600 plus different actions that had to be fulfilled in order for that law to be fulfilled. And he said, if you said you're going to live by the law, okay, you got to do all of it. That's what this is about. He's saying, if if you're going to live by the law, if you're going to hold this law as your point of righteousness and someone else's point of, uh, what is it, Um, default, and I don't mean default like a default position, default as in they didn't do it right, default, I defaulted. I forfeited, I whatever. If you're going to hold the law like that, then you got to fulfill the whole thing. Every jot and tittle. No grace. No excuses. So when you excuse yourself out of obedience, he didn't ask you to understand. He didn't ask you to like. He didn't ask you to regulate anybody else. He asked you or asked you to allow him to regulate. He has already told us, you cannot do this. I don't care how big, bad, and bold you think you are. You didn't start it. You can't finish it. That's why he sent first his son to make the way, to be the way, and then Holy Spirit to help us to walk in the way to cause us to walk if we allow him to. Because the flesh is trying to go the other way. What does it take to turn a little into a lot, good into bad, or bad into good, I should say? You have to be willing to do an inventory of your own personal life. Do not hold up the mirror of the word 
Can you see your reflection? Can you see your own reflection if you turn the mirror around to somebody else? Unless that mirror is two-sided, which generally it is not. And why would you be doing that anyway? Looking into the word, you should be able to see who you are and who you are not. The word logos and the word rhema, who is Christ. Christ is the standard. When you excuse yourself because you don't like it, you don't agree, whatever, then you are not working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You are playing. You can look at your life right now, just as I can. Any of us can do this. Look at our lives and say, okay, I can see where the Lord is working here. I need to continue to repent in this area. I'm not there yet, but I know I'm making progress. I forgive any actual or perceived offenses. I will not be a vessel for offense. Offense, not offense. I will not walk in that. I will forgive like you told me to, whether I feel like it or not. I don't understand it, but I am going to walk in obedience because I know you will honor yourself. And I want to be a participant in you spreading yourself to the world, loving the world unconditionally in spite of all our sin. I am a sinner. Saved by grace. You gave your only begotten son that none should perish. I want to be part of that. So why aren't we? Why aren't you? Instead of telling everybody what you will and you won't do. What does it take? What does your life say? What is your life saying to people? We are to be letters written, letters, love letters written by Christ, by the Spirit of God, to a world that's looking for salvation. They don't even know they're looking for it. I didn't know. I knew I was looking for something. I knew there was something missing. I didn't know what I was looking for. And even after I thought I was saved, I didn't really get saved until later. Because the really get saved experience is not the same as the initial get saved experience. There are revelations that come. And so we need to stop fooling ourselves. Where are you really? You don't owe me an explanation. But you're going to have to check this. Because, I'll tell you why, this is the training ground. And as I've said, I will continue to say, deliberately repetitive. This is the training ground. When we transition out of here, which none of us knows our day or time, we came in with it. We don't know when it is. When we transition, we've got to stand before the Lord on our own. There is not going to be anyone near you for you to blame, for you to say, well, they... Well, they told me, you better know for yourself. Study to show yourself approved. That's what the word says, Bible reader. Study to show yourself, your own self approved. 
It doesn't say study to show someone else's, uh, else approved. Even in regular school, you can't take a test for somebody else. We can help each other and love each other through the process. We cannot go through the process for them. So we're going to have to each stand before the Lord and give an account. What If that happened to you today, right now, what would you say? What would he say, more importantly? Would he say depart or would he say well done? What does it take to turn a little into a lot? Bad into good. Let me clarify a couple of things. One, you can have bad seed that also becomes a big harvest, little into a lot. Any seed planted is going to become a harvest. Just be just that get that clear. Any seed is going to become a harvest. So no going in. Is the seed that you are sowing given of Holy Spirit who is only going to produce Galatians 5, 22 through 23? If you don't know what that is, go read it. He's only going to produce that. Or is the seed that you're sowing going to produce Galatians 19 through 21? That's what determines whether it's good or bad. He's already told us. And he's also said, you've got to know what spirit you're operating in. If you're not operating in, the spirit, in, in Holy Spirit, then you're not operating in the spirit of life. So he tells us, he, the Lord, by the power, in the name of Jesus, by the power of Holy Spirit, he says, my word, my word is spirit. Understand? If his word is spirit, that means all words, all words are spirit. So word is spirit. He clarifies, he makes the distinction by saying, my word is spirit and life. What does it take? So where do you find yourself? Oh, I go to church and? Are you the church? Who are you? Who do you, who do you spiritually, what spirit do you operate in? Are we 100%? Nope. None of us is 100%, but we should be getting better every day. We shouldn't be after perfection because he's perfecting. He is the only perfect, per, perfect one. Therefore, he is the perfect or by the power of Holy Spirit. So we should be seeking excellence in Christ. Excellence. He will perfect. Excellence means that I'm going to continue to do what he tells me to do by his own power. Now, mind you, I can't even do it without him. So anything that I accomplished... Any good you see in me is him. Did I have to bow before him and still do? Because he's God, he is the Lord, he's holy, he died for all people. So if anything in you is saying, well, I don't have to do, uh -uh. I don't have to forgive them. Nope, you've excluded yourself. Understand the significance and the weightiness and the gravity of this. You can't not forgive and expect forgiveness. God does not work that way. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, good seed or bad, that's the harvest you're going to get. So look at your life. And no, we don't have control over everything because we don't even know everything. We can't control everything because we don't know everything. We don't even know a fraction of everything. We don't even know as much as we think we know. The older I get, the less I know. 
But I, know, I do have a sense. I'm not going to say I know. Oh, anything I know, I know by the Spirit of God. I have a sense of what he's going to bless and what he isn't going to bless. He's not going to bless. Even He's given us free choice. He will not violate our choice, but he's also not going to dishonor himself. The name above all names. We have everything. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's what he said. I've given you everything. Read the King James. I've given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. You know why he tells us that? He says, because I'm not, I'm not taking, I, I've given myself to you in every possible form. Told you what to do, showed you what to do, made a way for you to do it, and sent the spirit that's going to do it through you. And you still have complaints and excuses and reasons because you have choice. I, the Lord, says, put before you life and death, therefore choose. He's talk, even telling us, okay, this is how this works. <laughs> but he didn't rob us of the choice. Us individually, each of us individually doing what we're supposed to do in our respective interactions and encounters with the Lord, that is what gets the collective to a place of restoration, healing, the collective. So if I am being obedient and, and delivered and healed and restored by Holy Spirit as I am being obedient, then guess what? When I come into the collective, I have more to give. Not me. It's me in, my, in the, the vessel me, but Holy Spirit is going to be able to get more through me because some of that stuff that was holding me down and holding me back, not to say that it's all gone, but because of my, my awareness of that and what he's done in my life, that is what then opens me up to say, Holy Spirit, I'm available to you. I have no idea what's going on here. I don't even know why I'm here. But guess what? If there's someone here you need to reach, I'm available. And we don't even have to say all of that. I've gotten accustomed to say, saying certain things. That's me. I'm not telling you to repeat after me. I'm not telling you to live my process. I'm giving you things that might be helpful for you, but you have to, once again, frame them in the context of your own relationship. If you don't want a relationship with the Lord, just say you don't want a relationship with the Lord. But don't say you have a relationship with the Lord and you, and you run around telling people stuff that's not true. Making them think things, about G, think things about Jesus that just flat out is a lie from the pit. You can't have a relationship with Jesus and be unforgiving. You cannot. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus and be unrepentant. John the Baptist himself said the kingdom is at hand. Repent. Jesus wasn't even at the cross yet. How much more then when the kingdom is in hand by virtue of the cross should we repent? Jesus hadn't even died for the sin yet. And John is saying repent. Stop excusing yourself. Stop cursing your life. If you have bad seed, throw it out. Find the good. Through obedience, ask the Lord to show it to you by his spirit. He will show it to you. He will show himself. Maybe not in the ways that you think, but he's there. He's always there. Don't ever think he's not. We can't say that he's omnipresent and not think he's in the room right now. We can't say that he's 
all-knowing and not think that he doesn't know everything about us already. We can't say that he's all-powerful and treat him like a weakling, deaf, dumb, and blind. Who do we think we are? What does it take to turn a little into a lot? The seed will become a harvest. That's how, that's, that's his process. It only takes a little. So a seed, you get a harvest. That is the law. So a seed, get a harvest. What you have to determine with the Lord is what in your life is good seed and good harvest versus bad seed and bad harvest. And although we may come about it in different ways, from different perspectives, from different angles, from different upbringings, from different whatevers, the outcomes are going to be the same. We're going to be seeking obedience. We're going to be seeking repentance. We're going to be repentant. We're not going to be asking other people to do more than we're willing to do. We're not going to be hypocrites. We're, not, we're going to be lovers of God. We're going to be agape, one toward the other, operating in the spirit of love, agape, which is what Holy Spirit produces. There's going to be healing and miracles and restorations, not because we are somebody, but because we got out of the way long enough so that the somebody could show up for somebody else. We're at a point, really, we're at a point of the ridiculous. That's why he's saying, I need you to pivot out of this. Like someone on a basketball court pivoting to find a position so they can get out of a, 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 a potential block, a hard, uh, uh, what is it, full court press. I need you to pivot out of this thing because you've, gone, you, you've done this long enough. I need you to pivot now into blessing. Bless what you have. Throw out anything that's bad. Forgive. Be obedient. Humble yourself. Repent. Doesn't matter what order. Just get it done. And watch him do things in your life. Above all, you could ask or think. It's not just a saying in the Bible. But we can't get there until we do the first part. We can't even do the first part. Here's the issue. We can't even do the first part. Humble yourself. So if the assembling isn't for training people to do the first part, then the assembling is of no use. He didn't teach us to come together to not do what he says. He didn't teach us to come together to do things other than what he said. It doesn't mean we can't come together and break bread, and that's not what I'm talking about. But we have to be at least. He says you left you. What happened? Didn't over here you said what? What is this? He says I have aught with you because you left the first. You how are you gonna leave this now that you're over here? This didn't go away. We got in and we thought we were something, right? Oh, I'm saved. No, no, you're not. If we were saved, why does it say, work out your own salvation? He's saying, okay, don't play with me. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you mercy. I am here. I am your biggest cheerleader. I'm the only one that can do this for you. 
But don't take me for granted. None of us wants to be taken for granted. Why would we do that to Jesus? And yet we do it all the time. And then go walk around telling people we're Christian. Mm-mm. Nope, doesn't work like that. Not for him. And so we're at a defining moment. Because I'm convinced if we do this and we do this collectively, I need you to hear me. The collective cannot exist without the individual. So every time you excuse yourself out of the collective, meaning if you don't have to humble yourself, I'm not talking about the public showing because there's a lot of people show up that are not repentant. I'm not talking about the assembling. I'm talking about the collective, the body. Every time you say I'm not going to humble myself, every time you say I don't have to forgive, Every time you say in your heart, whether you articulate it or not, in your heart, in your thought process, whatever, in your beliefs, every time you say that, you've excluded yourself. Every time you say it, I don't have to forgive, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. Okay. All right. Humble. Turn. From their wicked ways. My people, the Lord speaking. We are chasing down people on the streets, telling them they need to repent of their sin, and we're not even doing it. Now, the Lord's going to honor those people who accept the words in faith. He's going to honor them. But woe unto us, because judgment starts at the house, his house. That was the other thing I was going to say earlier. If my people, and then judgment starts at my house. So he's already throwing out hints all over the place. Don't you be out here using my name for anything other than winning souls to me. And the first soul that has to be won is your own. So what do you have to look at in your life that's distracting you from being true to God? And no, you can't do it on your own, but we do have we do have to make choices. He said, I'm going to tell you which one to choose, but I'm, you still have to make the choice. He's not making the choice for us. Generational curses don't have to be broken at a special service. Generational curses are broken when somebody gets a revelation that there is a generational curse that can be overcome through obedience. We don't need these, these special services. For what? He has given all of us, not all the same giftings. I'm not trying to mix all of that up. I'm saying we are so limited, so poor-minded in how we think about God. You got a generational, uh, generational curse in your family? Then start obeying Jesus and watch the family walk out of that through you. You need healing and restoration in your life, then listen to the first part. Do the first part, and he will heal, restore, redeem, save in and through your life. What does it take to make a little a lot? To make bad good. It takes blessing. 
blessing the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord. What does it take? What does it take? It takes blessing the Lord, adoring the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and being obedient to the Lord because that is love to him. If you love me, you'll obey me. You say you love me. If you love me, you'll obey me. He is love, so he doesn't need our love. But our our willingness to obey is a sign of how we show him that we are in agreement with him, that we trust him by the spirit of God. And when we need help, all we have to do is say, you know what? I can't do this. But I'm going to repent, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to trust you because that's what you said. We are not responsible for performing the word of God. He's responsible for honoring and performing his own word. We are responsible for obeying the word. Well, I got to go out and heal. No, you don't. That's not your job. It's Holy Spirit's job. Peter did not heal. Holy Spirit healed through Peter. But stop cursing your life. Stop excusing yourself out of opportunities, literal opportunities to participate and collaborate, co-labor with God. I am the vine, you are the branches, he says. Without me, you are nothing. But we keep excusing ourselves. I don't have to forgive Sister Susan Q because she shouldn't have done that in the first place. Well, she may, she may, that may be true. But he didn't say, he didn't say, one, that she shouldn't have done it. That's not what she said. That's not what he said. He said, you forgive. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses as, A-S. One of the biggest words in the whole scripture, along with if. A-S, A-S, as, and I-S, if. All conditional terms. That's why he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The demons believe they tremble. He said, you forgive. Somebody asked in the scripture, well, how many times do I have to forgive? 70 times 7. Just keep going. Who wants to hear that? None of us, especially at the moment where the whatever it was occurred. Nobody wants to hear that. It's counterintuitive. It's counter to what the flesh would do. That's why we have to do it, because every time we do it, it kills the flesh. For the carnal mind profits nothing. What does it take to turn a little into a lot, turn seed into harvest, turn good into good or bad into good? Bless the Lord. Be obedient. Pivot right now. Take that inventory of your own life. Stop looking at everybody else because the Lord is looking at you watching them. Now, if they're being obedient, they're going to get blessed and you're going to miss out. Because that's not where he told you to take your cues from. He's the standard, and that's where you should be taking your cues from. If you are truly led of the Spirit, that's what you will do. I didn't say it was easy. I said that's what you will do. I didn't say they wouldn't be challenged, but that's what you will do. 
I pray for you. I love you. I bless you. I'm grateful for you. I bless every area of your life in the name of Jesus and by the power of Holy Spirit because I know him to be true to himself. And I pray that you get that revelation yourself. Thanks for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You Channel. I'm Michelle. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.